Welcome to the Grand Final Supercoach Coach Podcast. I'm Marcus, and this week we've got big crew with us. FB Donkey, welcome back. Thanks, mate. Great to be here. This should be the last podcast from the car as I'll be returning home for next year. Nice. Two years of dedication. Well done for making it through. Donny, welcome back. Thanks, mate. Uh, great to be back for the final week of the year. Looking forward to uh, trying to take out a few grand finals. Very nice. And Faz, welcome back to the show as well. Yeah, g'day fellas and, and hello listeners. Uh, what a get for the podcast. Last week you had the number one ranked coach. This week you've got the 3,108 ranked coach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two gets. Good stuff. <laughs> so we're missing CJ, who's the other one that has shown up over the course of the season. And there's listeners who've been following along. May know he is off enjoying his holiday in Europe and trying to defend his league. He's actually leading all three of us at the moment. Potentially a bridge too far. He's 150 points ahead of me, but I think, Donk, you might be the only one with the shot, but CJ is the red-hot favorite at the moment. He has been surprisingly active in the group chat for someone that is in Europe, so I think he's still taking it pretty seriously. <laughs> It's been a while since he hasn't torpedoed the second half of his season with crazy trades. So, uh, he's got emotional investment in it. All right, let's go around the grounds and share how we're placed facing the final round of the season. Donk, you want to kick us off? Sure, mate. So I had a pretty good week this week, 2550, which was 813th for the week. Grows me about 600 spots to 1645 overall, which is my highest ranking of the season. So pretty happy with that. Most importantly though, Marcus, after you took a lead last week, I've gone back into the lead in our competition by about, what, 30 or 50 points. And really the most important part about that is that this is the last show for the year. So as far as all our listeners are concerned, <laughs> I've won. They're not going to know whether like you've come back and overtaken me. It's totally irrelevant. What happens this week? Everyone knows that I've won. Thank you, listeners. Feel free to send me a congrats on Twitter. I cannot wait to jump past you and give it to you all of next year. Um, Donny, how'd you go? Uh, I ended up with uh, 2501, which I was pretty happy with. I jumped uh, 377 spots in the rankings. I'm up to 2140, so really hoping to push into the, uh, the top 2,000 in the last round. Uh, still got one trade left and about 160 grand. So uh, looking at the best way I can utilize that this week to try and uh, maximize my rank and also get a couple of grand final wins this weekend. So pretty happy with that one. Yeah, it's been a big season for you, Donny. I think you're a chance to pip me depending on how scores go this weekend as well. So lots to play for between all of a Supercoach hosts. Very tight competition. Faz, how was your weekend? Yeah, a bit off the pace for me this week. I didn't quite match the um the good scores that, that you other guys had. I got a 24-13 this week. So I slid outside the top 3,000, as I mentioned before. So 3,108. That's two weeks in a row with just sort of minor ranking slides. I really blame it on uh, the late out of Mark Blickarves a couple of weeks ago. You might remember he was a late out. I think it was a Saturday night game. So not only was that annoying to to lose a player, but also almost the whole way through the round. So I had pretty limited options. He hadn't been going too well either. So price wasn't fantastic. And I brought in Nick Blakey 
was a bit of a panic trade. I think I found out two, ma- two minutes before the game was due to start. And I think in those two weeks, I reckon Blickarb's scoring a zero and then a 130 on the weekend has probably outscored what Blakey's done in my team in those two weeks. Still one trade in the bank. I think looking at how similar a lot of our teams are, I don't see me catching any of you. It's still pretty tight, I think, between all of us. But, you know, that sort of 150-odd points is going to be pretty tough to catch up in, in one week. But I'll, you know, might use that last trade to to trade Blakey out of the side or could go back to Blickarv's. Uh, who knows? <laughs> but, yeah, so... Uh, pretty happy with the season all up, but um, yeah, just unfortunately tailing off a little as we head towards the finish. I think it's a very, very good season for the community and for us podcast hosts. Like, don't remember if we've ever had an instance where the worst out of our hosts is in the top 3,000 with a, well, just outside the 3,000 with one to go. So a bit stiff there, Faz, what if, with what is still a very good season rank for the year so far i scored 24 43 so not super enough donk to catch up and put some points on so 30 or so to catch up in the final round but relevant. <laughs> uh held the ranking uh at 18 15 so i think unless i happen to have a ludicrous last round I'm unlikely to broach the top 1,000, which is a little bit sad, but aim here is to stay in the 2,000 and beat Donk, and I've got one cash league grand final. So looking forward to that. All right. So that's in good spirits, and I'm going to pour myself a spirit. Uh, (laughs) We're going to have a chat about just the review of the year haven't added any specific questions for the week Uh, we've got a few that came through on patreon which we'll tackle in the bonus set but we've got uh, some topics suggested from one of our patrons shannon best pick worst pick best trade worst trade first picked next year and a breakout star for next year so looking forward to just sitting back having a bit of a chat about our seasons that have gone by and we'll finish off with who we're looking at for the VC and the C heading into a big grand final week. Just going to make sure I try and collect some intel on what Donk is doing. Alrighty, let's kick off. Best pick and worst pick. I think let's do them sort of as a duo. All right, so my best pick, which was a bit of a surprise, I think it's Sicily. So at the start of the year, I was definitely not that confident in Sicily, but he's averaged 112 for 450k or whatever he was at the start of the year which is that's amazing and yeah been super super stoked with that as a starting pick and when i first picked my team he was one of the very very first picked players but then towards the end he didn't show a lot in the preseason, and it was a bit sketchy about whether i'd take him but very very happy with that and i think it's been pretty season defining having sicily in there at such a cheap price worst pick it could have been mcgovern i think we overrated mcgovern a little bit and probably underrated kerno as well and kerno had that shocking first week and then has just gone on to win the coleman and been amazing so he would have been a much better pick but worst pick of the year has to be whitfield like he was our first pick defender we were so confident on Lockie whitfield we thought he was an absolute gimme and got the nickname shitfield over the course of the year and people even fell in again when he came back from his injury and bought him again and then he missed games bit better in the second half of the year but he was woeful 
probably the best uh, pick from the start of the season was probably, and the pretty obvious ones really, just with Dunkley and Miller. Particularly Miller, I think he's had a pretty good year, uh, averaging the 121 in the midfield. Gold Coast team that's done a lot better than I think a lot of people probably expected. I think they're, I'm not sure if they're on track for their best ever finish, even though it's still outside the finals. So pretty happy with him. But probably the worst uh, alongside Whitfield, started Mitch Hinge. And I'm like, I don't know why I started with him, but he turned out to be a very ordinary selection, I thought, uh, for the Crows. Didn't get to anywhere near the game time that I thought he'd get. Uh, I think he picked up a couple of injuries along the way. So not really happy with how he worked out. Faz, what about you, mate? Yeah, certainly agree with what you've been saying there. Um, Mark, I didn't start with Sicily, and I think you're right. That's really been a season-defining mistake on my end. Sort of I've gone the whole season without him, and it, it, there's just a, a big gap there. I think Sicily, if he's not going to finish D1, he'll, he'll be right there. He and Dawson are sort of right at the top um, in, some, in terms of the highest averaging defenders. I think Neil's probably the, if, if just on, on the numbers, would be the answer. Just um, currently sitting as the third highest averaging player overall, hasn't missed a game. And, you know, we got him in the sort of low 500. So that was a, a fantastic get at the start of the year, but probably not all that much patting ourselves on the back for that one because I think just about every coach playing the game did that one. So I think that's probably where the Sicily pick stands out for you guys because that was less of a popular pick. I think a lot of people brought him in across the season, but starting with him was was a huge get. And one other that I'll throw in there, just because I was so impressed with his game across the year, was Sam DeConing. I think mm-hmm. we were picking him thinking we've just got to fill up a bench spot here and hopefully he'll get a couple of games. And I think even at the beginning of the year, we weren't sold that he was in Geelong's best 22, there's a bit of competition in, in that back six, but he's just been a ripper of a player and I think ended up being one of the last rookies that I traded out. And I think a lot of people held on to him for quite a while. The dual position flexibility was also fantastic across the year. Uh, in terms of the worst picked, there's a couple of guys that are still in my team that I'll throw up there <laughs> as nominations. It's the crisp short combo in the back line. They've just been not horrible enough to get rid of them. And I, I think we heard from the number one ranked coach uh, last week. I think he got rid of Chris pretty early on in the piece. And I think that's the sort of decisiveness that can sort of really make or break your season. And he's just sort of done enough to stay in this, in my side at least all year, but really been underwhelming and short, pretty similar. They're really just off the mark in terms of this to me, seems like one of the highest defender scoring seasons that, that there's been. There's just been a lot of guys, Sinclair, uh, Sicily, Dawson, Tom Stewart, when he's not whacking blokes, there's some really good scoring defenders this year. And to have guys that are just scoring 85, 90, clogging up a spot, you're not even scoring as well as uh, Nick Dacoff's a lot of the time, has just been a, a real downer. So I'll throw them up as my two uh, worst starting picks as short and crisp. Got a lot of overlap. Trying to think outside the box a little bit. I think best pick Sicily is probably... The obvious one for me. The other one, if I was going to pick, would be uh, that we haven't mentioned is Tom Stewart. I know he did get suspended, so things didn't work out too well in the end. But at one stage, he was averaging sort of premium midfield numbers in the back line. So he'd be the one that I throw in there. And probably just want to comment on Miller and say that, yeah, agree a little bit with Dunny. And the weird turn of events that a lot of the other midfielders either started to miss games or whatever else. Like Miller wasn't as highly picked as Neil, which I think makes the pick a little bit better. He's going to finish the season averaging 121, which means he will have averaged more than his starting price tag. He will have played all the games. 
And that's pretty surprising because at one stage he had a couple of poor games, was averaging 110, it dropped to 578. And I remember at that time thinking, well, would have been nice to pick him up cheap rather than start him. But if you look at starting picks overall in terms of rolled gold options, he's ended up being one of the top few for the season. So he's worked out surprisingly well. I think we have to mention that it was really Miller or Steele at the start of the year. And because Steele got injured and mm. um, underperformed a bit, that just that flip of the coin has worked out really well. And in terms of worst starting pick, two that we haven't talked about a heap, Matt Rao. Mm. So did start really well, but considering where he's tailed off to, it's been a little bit disappointing. Uh, and he's that sort of trick pick that fell into. And so that hurts a little bit. I don't know if he got injured at some point or what the situation is. It's hard to really understand what went wrong there, considering just the blistering start. Saved a little bit by the fact that he started so well that some people traded into him, but he's actually really worked out pretty poorly. And the other one that I might chuck in there is Zach Butters. Now, I don't think he's worked out awfully, but I remember in one of the last preseason shows talking about checking our sort of assumptions on locked-in players. And I remember Don Q bringing up Butters and the fact that he hadn't really actually done premium season and I think ended up over-indexing on Butters not relative to the overall community out there, but certainly was an over-selected player for what he ended up delivering. Just didn't have the consistency. Buttersby, the other one. McRae's also worked out surprisingly poor, but um, he started the season on fire and he's still ultra-premium, but also ended up paying 10 points on average higher for a guy that ended up petering off. So it's surprising that he'd end up even in those sorts of discussions but that's an interesting one considering the amount of dogs that we all brought in time to talk trades sure so i think that this has actually been my best ever trading season i think i've just been the most consistent this year and just made less mistakes than previous years and just got my timing right a few times and that's just sort of reflected in my ranking i've just been pushing up the whole season best trade might seem a bit weird but i traded out brody to laird around the buyers I didn't have any other option to get to Laird. I just felt Laird was so important. Um, and I was a bit lucky that Brody sort of tailed off quite a lot in the second half of the year. And Laird has just been like the number one player to have during that period. So I think that trade <laughs> at the time, people were probably trying to talk me out of trading Brody, but I just um, prioritized Laird so much. And because of the order of the buys, it just made sense. Yeah, pretty happy with that one and how it's turned out. A weird one was Dylan Stevens to Hobbs. Worked out extremely well. I, I did not expect Hobbs to be as good as he had, as he was and score as well as he did. And the really poor game, I didn't have him on field, but he scored really, really well for me when he was on my field. So absolutely loved that trade and having Hobbs in my team. Worst trade of the year was Dacos to Hewitt. So Dacos had that really poor patch in the middle of the season, looked like he'd stalled and looked like he needed to go and traded him out for 370 odd and he just like way overperformed in the back half of the year and traded into Hewitt and it just seemed like Hewitt at I think he was about 570 at the time it seemed like he was an absolute must have I kept putting off getting him and he just kept averaging 110 he was just posting those goals week after week and uh ever since then he sort of averaged about 100 and has missed a bunch of games so that trade worked out really poor on both sides both the out and the in so um yeah that one really stands out for me 
So probably for me, Hewitt was one of my better trade-ins and I, only because I brought him in uh, at round three before his price moved and he was basically in for Whitfield for me. So I think that was a big win from that point of view. Also bringing in Dawson and Bontempelli in the buys. Dawson's been huge since the buys, so really happy with that trade-in. And just looking through some of the others that I did, the other one was getting uh, Laird for Hewitt, uh, amazingly, in uh, round 19 when Hewitt got injured. Uh, I jumped and said, nah, that back's going to be more than a one-week injury and brought in Laird and haven't looked back since with him. So uh, really happy with those trade-ins. If I want to head towards the worst trade, I've got a couple of contenders for that one. One of them definitely bringing in Pruce in round seven. Whilst he did score a 109, 103 and 120 in the next those first three games, uh, he then proceeded to play one out of the next nine. Uh, I did trade him out before, after about two weeks of him missing. But yeah, that one thing I hate doing, and I know Marcus loves doing throughout the year, is trading in the ruck line. I'm very much a set and forget kind of guy, but with Grundy and Gorn both failing this year, it's been a bit of a revolving door. Uh, and Proust was one that I got sucked into and probably shouldn't have known that he rarely plays more than four games in a row before either belting someone or getting himself injured. Probably the only other trade that I didn't really like was bringing in English uh, in round 12. Since that point, uh, he hasn't really done too much. He scored a 160 the week before. Uh, and then after that, he hasn't really done too much for my side either to the point where I'm considering uh, using my last trade to uh, move him to someone who might actually get me some points in the grand final. But look, overall, I think I'm in a bit of the same boat as Donk in that I feel I've had one of my better trading years this year. Haven't made too many really bad mistakes. So yeah, it's been a pretty decent year from that perspective. It's interesting going back and looking at the trades, isn't it? We obviously spend so much time of the week uh, leading up to the trade and then it's amazing how, how quickly it goes in the rearview mirror and you forget about it. I think I was pretty happy with my pre-round three correction trades. So for me, it was Whitfield, McGovern and Josh Ward out with Paddy Cripps, George Hewitt as the premiums in and Nick Martin into the side. So even though Cripps and Hewitt have ended up sort of not being as good as I probably hoped at the time I was bringing in. I think they were all worth the money that I paid for them. Nick Martin ended up going on to be one of the better rookies in terms of cash production. And all three of those trade-outs, I didn't feel any regret about trading them out. I think I was pretty happy with having booted all three of those players. Also got some pretty good premium trade-ins. So you, you mentioned before, Marcus, about Miller sort of dropping in price throughout the season. I managed to pick him up at 590k. Also got Sinclair down at 530k, which I think was a pretty good get and paid, a, paid up for Laird at 620k, but he's just gone nuts ever since I brought him in. So pretty happy with that trade in. In terms of my worst trades of the year, I think it probably all comes down to a round six move. Moved on Raul, who we mentioned before, one of the worst starting picks. Unfortunately, though, I went from Raul and brought in Jordan Degoe. He'd had a pretty hot start to the year and was coming off a, I think, a 120-odd score. And I thought this might be the year that's a breakout year for Dugowie with him spending more time in the midfield. And he went on from there. I don't know if he ever scored 100 in my side. If he did, it might have been only, only the one. And I just spent the next part of the, the season waiting for a chance to get Dugowie out of the side. And probably what made matters worse there was that at the time I brought Dugowie in, I think Luke Parker was right around a similar price. So I sort of had that as my door A, door B was, was Dugowie or Luke Parker. And 
Luke Park went on a real run at that point to the point that I think a few weeks later, I just forced it to get him into my side. Meanwhile, to go into the hemorrhage cash and it was a very happy day when I managed to hit trade around the buys. And I think it ended up being too layered to get him out. Marcus, how about you? It's good, it's good to hear though, that after doing 14 years of the show with Donk, he's finally learned the level of consistency that I approach trading with and look at the results. You might actually beat me this year. So congratulations to you, Donk. Very happy for you. <laughs> Just congratulating you for taking the credit there. I think I, I wouldn't, wouldn't be such a good coach without you, sir. Uh, in terms of my best trade, I think slam dunk that kind of saved the season. I think I'd be lagging behind all of you fairly significantly if not for this trade is Simmelberg in for Pruce. Not even um, close. That is him in. like the trade yeah. of the year out of everybody that plays Supercoach. Thank you. Thank you. A lot of your skill, I did get a bit lucky there. I wasn't expecting it to work out as well as it has, but it has been season saving. Some other ones that looked okay is bringing in Parker basically as soon as he became DPP eligible in the forward line, where people were knocking where he was going to play for the rest of the year and picked him up before he scored the 150, which is when most people brought him in. It was post that sort of validation of that midfield move, I think that would be a close second. Worst trades, there's probably a few more to choose from there. I think two that really torpedoed things were Gorn trading him in when he got injured immediately and Aaron Hall trading him in when he got injured immediately. Both of those were um, so fun for me. <laughs> I only wish that uh, they got injured at the end of the game or something. It just it was such a big deal to have them drop in price and get injured in the first round. But I don't think I could choose them as the worst trade because, yes, Hall's injury prone, but getting punished immediately and at the start of the game isn't something that's entirely predictable. So I won't actually nominate those two as the worst trade. I think by far my worst was trading back in Sherry and that was just an absolute <laughs> cluster. I think there was a laid out, something like that, and I needed ruck cover, but eventually they'd pivot back into the forward line. Cherry had just come back, but I wasn't anticipating that Goldstein would hold on to the number one ruck role and should have waited for that validation before trading him in. And that's a big part around doing good trades. Like even though... I did get lucky with Himmelberg. Like I did watch him dominate two games, hit the bottom and then pick him up. It was lucky before the 180, but picked him up after getting validation of a roll shift. And that's one that it's just poor trading. Like I traded in Zorko as well. I think that was poor, but I accepted the injury risk. Like I'm accepting the injury risk with Aaron Hall. You're accepting it because of the upside relative to the player that they are. But Sherry was just a desperate move like trying to be cute and it's a really big lesson i think like trying to identify role changes and then trading them in before they get unattainable and it generally holds you in pretty good stead across the super coach trading season and there are times where you're picking a player on the hope that that will happen that was a failure with tristan i wonder where you'd be ranked if you hadn't been so unlucky with your trade-ins marcus yeah, I have a feeling my main miss this season in terms of not being a top 
probably even 500 coach was no Will Brody. Every one of you had Will Brody. Yeah. If you think about how many points he made at the start, he made 300K and he averaged 100 and 510 during that period. That's the entire season. I would be close to competing, I think, if not for that. So them's the breaks. I, I think that's the thing, right? Like you can get sucked in by an injury trade and it certainly hurts. It's hurt my ability to rebound, but the real key parts of doing real well is hitting the players that hit momentum before they are priced out. And Laird's a good example of that. I think most of us across the hosts have Laird and I think we've recommended a lot of our Supercoach community pick up Laird. And if you look at the second half of our season and the fact that we're all moving up together, having double Laird points for the last eight or nine weeks, I think it's gone a long way. Yeah. And I think the one that you and I both missed, Marcus, was Sinclair. Like, as at him at 530 is mm. one of the best trade-ins. Like, that was a really important move at the time because he's just been super, super hot since then. Yeah, it's yeah. an interesting one. Like, we at that stage were full up with defenders. And that's a big reason why we didn't trade Sinclair in. But imagine if we traded a short or a crisp type to Sinclair at that point. Yeah. So yeah. it's a good one to think about. Yeah, I picked him up in the buys for, uh, for deconing down back. So I was pretty happy with that as an outcome. Alrighty. Now to look forward, first picked next year and a breakout star next year. I think that Zach Merritt under Al Clarkson might do pretty well, but no, I think <laughs> that my first pick next year will actually be Max Gorn with Luke Jackson going to Frio, unless Melbourne do actually end up picking up Grundy, which um, apparently is, there is some chance that that will actually happen. Uh, if Gorn goes back to being like Sol Ruck with Ben Brown backing him up, look out. He, if he can stay fit, he'll be back to the 130 Gorn that we know and love, which he's sort of shown quite a bit of in the last four weeks. So yeah, I think that Gorn still exists and he would be my absolute first pick next year. And I like Danny said, just getting a bit of calm and just picking one player or two players that can actually stay in the bloody Ruck line and not having to trade around would be nice because it's pretty frustrating and English has done my head in this year. And my breakout, I'm probably cheating a little bit here. My breakout is Sam Walsh. So I know he's posted a 117 in his third year, but he's only been 110 this year. And I really feel like uh, he had a bit of an interrupted preseason. Then he had that like injury really on early on in the season and missed a whole bunch of footy, came back too early. And the thing that scares me about Walsh is just how much he can dominate a quarter or how much he can dominate early in games in particular if he can get that fitness up that he can do that for four full quarters his ceiling is very very high the only thing that can get in the way of that is Cripps and other Carlton midfielders taking some of his points and maybe his um, disposal efficiency at times but yeah I don't know whether that counts as a breakout but Sam Walsh is pretty high on my list for next year what do you reckon Dunny? So my first pick for next year was a guy who I was going to be my first pick this year till he broke his hand in the preseason, and that was Rory Laird. And he's going to dominate that Adelaide midfield for a few more years yet. And you know, if I think yeah, he's only had a couple of games under you know, 110 for the season. So he'll be my first pick alongside Donk's pick of Gorn. He's going to come in at, a, I think, at a fairly tasty price next year as a sole ruck. Uh, and I think he can also get back to that 130 uh, plus kind of scoring where we'll be basically trying to loop Gorn and Laird for uh, for their captaincy position. And the only other one I'd probably consider would be Clary. He'll be amongst my first pick as well. Uh, I don't think people should shy away from going for the guys who are going to be the top price. They're top price for a reason. They've done it in the past. They're going to deliver again. Uh, and we need to have them in your team at some point. 
So it's usually easier to start with them rather than trying to trade in because you can get to the point where trying to trade in, you've always got other problems to fix and you just can't get them into your side. If I'm looking at breakouts, I'm going to go a little bit younger than uh, Donk's gone rather than he's picking a nice safe pick of Walsh who's, you know, we know he can do it. I'm going to go for one of my uh, Port Adelaide boys first. And, and I think his form since the buy has been really, really good. And he's spent a lot more time in the midfield. And that's Connor Rosie. He's really shown some really good form uh, in the last few weeks. He just needs to get a little bit more bulk about him so he doesn't get injured quite so easily. You know, he's, he's managed to pick up a couple of knee issues, et cetera. But I think he'll be someone who in the next season, if not next season, the one after, will really pick up uh, a lot more points in that midfield. Uh, and one other one that I want to mention who has shown some really good form this year as well is Chad Warner from the Swans. I think he's looking like he could be a real, really good super coach player in the next year or two uh, in that Swans midfield uh, and really rack up some pretty high points. They're two younger guys. Look, they may not come off next year, but I think um, they're ones that we need to watch in the preseason and see what their role is going to be. Uh, and hopefully next year or the year after, they'll really take off. Yeah, look, I certainly agree with the names that have been Throwing up already. I was just trying to have a quick look through the injury list to see if there's sort of an obvious one that that we're not thinking of that's sort of a going to be at a discounted price, similar to a Coniglio uh, this year. So, and I couldn't find anyone on my quick look through. I probably should have started my research earlier than when Mark started speaking. But I'll probably go with Jack Steele to just to throw a different name into the mix. There has missed a few games uh, with injury, probably not enough to get a, a discount on the injury side of things, but his average since coming back has dipped a fair bit. I think St Kilda probably underperformed to what people were expecting this year. So I think there'll probably be a bounce back both for St Kilda overall next year and, and Jack Steele. I don't know if he'll be quite down at the sort of the Lockie Neal starting price from this year, but if he's anywhere around that mark, could be a nice player to slot into the midfield. And, and agree with what you said, Donny, in terms of paying up for the big guns in Clary and Allaire, but Jack Steele, if he can slot in as sort of your, uh, what it would be, M3, M4, something like that, that could be a handy addition. And then in terms of a breakout player, I like your pick of Chad Warner there, showing some really good scoring potential. It's just whether you're willing to take the risk as a starting midfielder. Luke Davies, Uniac is probably another one that I'd throw in there as a pretty risky starting pick, but could really pay off. He's had some great scoring. Noah Anderson at Gold Coast as well. Some of those guys who've shown a fair bit of form in the second half of the year. But probably the one that I'll go with is Hayden Young from Fremantle. He's had some really good scoring in the last few weeks and he's in the back line. So I think probably just a you know a line that I'm more willing to take a risk on a, a cap player. If I learn anything, which I haven't, I'm going to make the same mistakes again, of course. But you know Matt Rowell, I think, was one of our picks for a breakout player this year. Uh, and I think he can just get punished quite a bit in the midfield for picking a breakout player. Whereas in the, if you go backline or forward line, you've got a bit more flexibility. There's usually more mid prices around uh, in those lines. So if your breakout doesn't pay off, it's an easier side swap to the correct breakout pick. Whereas I think in the midfield, it's just a bit of a, a more difficult one. So that's probably where I'll go with this Hayden Young. Marcus, are there names that we haven't mentioned that, that you've got for either first picked or, or breakout contender? Yeah, for first picks, I do like, the Steele selection and the Gorn selection in particular. I think Steele at what will be about 110 will be cheap for potentially a top three, top four midfielder. And yeah, Gorn's very obvious as well if Luke Jackson goes. Uh, the two that I'll throw in that we haven't mentioned, Tom Stewart 
is going to be underpriced again, just considering he had a game where he was subbed out with the 39 and also scored a 48 when he was tagged. Sure, the tag risk is going to be there moving forward as well, but I think his dependence or Geelong's dependence on him won't change next year and he'll continue to be a top couple defender. Uh, and the other one who's not discounted, but you could argue is in that same bracket is Jack Sinclair. Like he's starting to get tagged now, such as his influence. But if he keeps playing the role that he's playing, there's no real reason he drops off. And we've found that picking a Lloyd in the back line before, like picking sort of 115 defenders in the back line can really pay off. And I think those two look pretty damn solid to continue that for moving forward. In terms of a breakout player, that one's a little bit tougher. I think the player that I'm going to mention is certainly a bit risky. I won't go with any that have been brought up so far, but Sean Darcy, I think, is going to be interesting. Yes, he hasn't had the best season, but it has been plagued by injury, though that may not necessarily change moving forward. I just think at one stage or another, he's going to absolutely break out and potentially even beyond what we saw last year. He's dropped from his starting price tag last year, so he's going to be at 103K. And outside of Gorn, I don't know that Grundy is going to be the obvious R2 next year. So we might still have a bit of a vacuum where, you know, hopefully Wits doesn't take that second spot. I don't think he will again. No. He did have a pretty fortunate run this year. So I think Sean Darcy compared to the competition around him actually should look pretty good. What about if Jackson goes to Freo though? Yeah, that's a good shout. That would obviously change things a fair bit. Anytime he played with Lloyd Meek, he did look pretty bad from a super coach scoring point of view. So yeah, fair bit dependent on that. Just um, throw another couple of names in the ring, if that's all right. I finished looking through the injury list. Ben King from Gold yeah. Coast has missed the entire season. Uh, so he's one that if his discount isn't up, I know he's a key forward, but if he's cheap enough, could be a good pick. Uh, and then Nick Caulfield was looking at, he looked quite good in the preseason, I thought. Was even starting to be tempted by him. I think he's about 400K going into the season and did his ACL, I think, in the last preseason game. Or maybe it was round one, I can't remember. But whatever the case, I think he'll have a pretty heavy discount and uh, is quite a handy footballer, former round, first round draft pick. And I think we're starting to play a bit through the midfield. So I reckon Nick Caulfield, particularly if he's still named in back line, could be a good shout as a either first pick or breakout contender. All right. So finish the grand final show. Heading into grand final week, who are you looking at for your vice captain and captain options? Anybody that stands out for a particularly big week heading into the grand final that we can help our listeners out with? I'll kick off. I'll probably be looking at, uh, on the Saturday afternoon, Tukamilla against North, and then probably head that into probably a Laird against Port Adelaide, which would probably be a fairly tough tackle or could consider a very tight turnaround after Miller could look at Stewart against West Coast down at GMHBA uh, and see how that one pans out. I, I can't see West Coast tagging him. I don't know if they've got a tagger at the moment, um, so he could have a pretty big day down there oh they did run a tag against Brayshaw on the weekend where Brayshaw managed to break it like pretty much and score over 100 Danny I think Took's a great shout against North Melbourne and he's in in a great run of rate of form at the moment as well so I think uh that's a good one 
I do like a Friday night VC. It's it's just a nice way to start the weekend, particularly if you nail it and you can just forget about uh, loopholes and everything for the rest of the weekend. So probably where I'll be looking is Max Gorn going up against Oscar McInerney, who I believe has been giving up some decent scoring as against his ruck opponent. So I think that's probably where I'll be looking. You've certainly got some other options in that game with Track, Clary and Neil. But yeah, I think I'll I'll go with Gorn just because I need to make up some ground on all of you. And Mark, I think you've got Gorn, but the rest of you don't have Gorn. So that's probably my chance to make up some points as a big sort of 200 from Gorn with the C on him. That's my only way of catching any of you. So uh, I'll, I'll take a bit of a risk on, on Max and uh, back it up with Took, which won't be a risk at all because I think 95% of coaches will have either the V or the C sitting on, on Took. So that's probably my, my plans for the weekend. My gut instinct looking at the team sheets was to go with Gorn just because it does make that loopholing situation a lot easier. Um, you can just lock it in. But then listening to Dunny and looking into it a bit more, you've got Miller against North and Stewart against the Eagles. I think, at, especially at GMHBA, that game for Stewart, I think it is incredibly difficult to split those two picks for a VC. I, w- I probably wouldn't love either of them as my C, or maybe Miller as my C, but not Stewart. So, yeah, I'd probably lean towards Miller just because Stewart is a huge gamble, depending on where your grand final is sitting at that stage in the round. Inter Laird being the obvious, obvious one against Port Adelaide, his form has just been too good over the last um, couple of months. So, it's just too hard to ignore as a good solid captain option potentially if you don't have Laird Cripps against the Pies on Sunday and a big game for the Blues would be a pretty interesting choice too kind of spoiled for choice this week and realistically uh, I know they're coming up against a really good midfield in Melbourne and Oliver uh, has been dominating but Neil's been pretty good at home this year so normally I've been leaning towards picking Neil as a VC at the Gabba but probably not this week I know I mentioned Laird, but probably the one flag I would throw is that uh, it's probably likely that Drew will go and tag him during the game, but there should be plenty of tackles and and, uh, and lots of points to be had in that one. But that's probably the only flag on Laird. Marcus, where yep. are you going to head, mate? I like the selections there. I normally do a captain's column for the patrons on Wednesday, so I'll do the full breakdown there. But the other one I'd throw in just at the end of this is Bont against Hawthorne. Uh, 136 mm. earlier in the year, 114 and 161 the last two, and Hawthorne have been letting up some points to both forwards and midfields. So would be the other one that to add in there, but just unfortunately plays late in the round because he's probably a more suitable vice captain candidate. But if you're going for broke and your VC has fallen through and you need a big game for your captain to pull through, Bont as a unique selection, I think is going to look pretty good. I imagine you'll be forced into that exact decision this week on Sunday, Marcus. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? Maybe I'll VC uh, Tom Hawkins and after a a 180 (laughs) against... uh, West Coast at GMHBA, I'll be laughing. Facing that Coleman. <laughs> no, no Jezza, so. Yeah, it does come up against Barass, unfortunately, so I'm a bit worried about that. <laughs> anyway, thank you all, gents, for a fun show and for a great season. It's really good that uh, we're all up and about and fighting for what is a close finish. I'm looking forward to seeing how this all shakes out and... Hopefully not wearing the shame of losing out to Donk. <laughs> It'll be a long, long summer. 
Uh, might throw to each of you for some final comments. Tony, you want to kick us off? Thanks to everyone and to you guys and, and to all the listeners for getting around the Super Coach Coach community for the year. It's been another fun year. So thank you very much for your support. Uh, obviously, we wouldn't so wouldn't be doing it if you weren't listening. So thanks, everyone out there. And I don't know if I'm on Team Marcus or Team Mark. I just can't wait to see the banter in the group chat over the weekend. <laughs> Good job for a good innings, Dunny. I, I don't know how much others would know about how much work Dunny puts in as well into other things around fantasy, from notes to uh, a column still on, on Dream Team Talk. So well done for a, another season, Dunny. Thanks, mate. Echo your comments there, Dunny. Thanks to all of you blokes for another good year of chat and banter, and, and it's good being able to catch up on the podcast. Uh, and then thank you to the listeners for continuing to support the show and particularly the patrons for the financial support, but to everyone out there, it really does help having the engagement. I know Marcus, it probably makes your job a lot easier having a big lot of questions coming each week. So yeah, thank you to everyone out there for listening and continuing to listen for another year. Yeah. Looking forward to sort of finals football is a bit different, isn't it? Cause you, you can actually just watch the game. You realize <laughs> all the time, yes. it doesn't matter who, uh, how many cheap handballs Clayton Oliver gets. Um, <laughs> I, I just. Waiting to see who wins the game. Looking forward to, you know, a bit of stress-free football. I think Mark's the only one on, on here that has any skin in the game when it comes to the the, uh, the finals matches coming up. We can all watch, the rest of us will be watching as uh, as neutrals. And it's it's pretty bizarre how long the season is and then how quickly it all wraps up. Once finals start, there's nine games of footy left for the year. So looking forward to settling in and watching those. As I said, without the stress of Supercoach involved. <laughs> and then I'm sure our group chat will die down and, be quiet for about two weeks and then we'll start talking about who we're picking uh, next year. So yeah, just a, a big thank you to everyone out there for for you in particular, I guess, Mark, for your work behind the scenes, keeping this running and having us on the show. It's it's always a good part of our week, I know, to be involved. So um, I'm sure everyone in the community would share those thoughts and uh, yeah, they'll, they'll be uh, waiting with bated breath for episode one to find out the uh, result of the, the contest between you two. <laughs> I'm sure they will uh, find out from Donk if he wins all over Twitter. So <laughs> thanks, Faz, for a great season, mate, and well done on another consistent rank. Donk, final thoughts. Uh, a year on the road. Has been a very fun year. I'm in beautiful Queensland at the moment, uh, still enjoying the great weather. Bit disappointed in Dunny for sitting on the fence. Really thought he would be on Team Donk at this stage. Um <laughs> I don't have a lot of supporters in the group chat, I don't think. So probably need a few more. Feel free to use the hashtag Team Donk if you want to show me some support. <laughs> a big thanks to all our listeners. It still surprises me after 14 years that anyone's listening to us talk about Supercoach. So if you've made it to around 23 or whatever it is now um, and you're a listener, massive props to you. And thanks heaps for supporting the show and enjoying what we do. And yeah, got to finish with extra props to Marcus because he really does all the work behind the scenes. He may not be as good at me as Supercoach, but he is great at running a podcast. So thank you, Marcus, from all of us. And to the other co-hosts, Faz, Dunny, and CJ. It's been certainly a fun year and extra rewarding when we're all doing well and, and the banter's up. So huge thanks. Uh, just to echo all your sentiments to our listeners, especially at round 23, as you said, Donk, and to our patrons. We got a lot of nice messages on the Patreon question thread for the week, much, much appreciated. I know every year we say, will we go on? Next year will be interesting with Donk coming back into Victoria. Not going to make any calls either way, but just want to say a huge, huge, huge thank you. It's been an awesome 14 years and it's been great chatting, especially with 
uh, the three of you, CJ, Bryce. Yeah, it's uh, part of the part, big part of the reason is just the enjoyment of having a chat with you all. So uh, much appreciated for making the time. Last thing, you're, I think you're actually going to be way more happy than any of this crap this year because Geelong are actually going to win the flag. Oh, please put the lid back on. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm glad other people are finally confident for us. Normally we'd be called the old man crowd by now. So it is a nice change. And a shout out to, by the way, uh, we've got two coaches in the running for some cash. Uh, so 11th, Jimmy's Hungry Heracross and Tyler's Shep Screamers. Uh, if you follow Supercoach Data or um, you're following along as we go along. Two of those blokes are about 40, 50 points off finishing the top 10 and winning some cash. So we all have our fingers crossed for you. And uh, last week, I think, put the nail in the coffin on the number one ranked coach for the season. So we'll watch him sail through. Um, but congrats and early congrats. I hope I'm not jinxing it. But JP, Ray Magoo, trade left. I think, Mark, you mentioned 13th high score for the round heading into the last round. So congrats to JP. I like to think that it was a good luck charm coming on this show. <laughs> uh, yeah, and dude. with that, <laughs> we'll sign off for another season. Yeah. See ya. See you, everyone. Bye. Bye.